In today's episode, I interview Sammy Rabstein. Now, the one thing to understand about Sammy is she has just as much energy as I do. And don't let her voice be deceiving because she's way younger than she sounds because she is so smart. Today, she's going to talk about the importance of purpose. How can we also change our careers in a responsible way and the overall timing of these big life changes that we're all going through? So if you're feeling stuck or uninspired, this episode is for you. Sammy, it is so good to have you in person in the Impact Factory. I will tell you, Sammy, you have officially traveled the furthest distance for a podcast here. So thank you for coming all the way from LA. Thank you for having me. It was worth the trip and I'm stoked to just be with you in this dope space and really talk about some open, vulnerable stuff because that's why people should travel. They should travel to do those things in person. So I'm stoked to be here and thanks well, for Well, ta- I mean, take me through that, Sammy. I mean, so here's what's cool and I think it's important context for this conversation. Mm-hmm. Sammy and I were introduced through uh, now good friend of mine, Terry Hardy, who I'd met at uh, one of my surf ranch adventures. And the last thing he said to me as I was leaving was, I cannot wait to introduce you to Sammy. And then I think I was in LA for a speech and Mm -hmm. I was like, well, let's just go grab coffee quickly. Right. And then I was like, I don't have an agenda. I'm not trying to like Mm -hmm. score speeches from you or whatever. I just want to hang out. And then the rest was kind of history, but this is only our Second time meeting in person, right? Second time yeah. meeting in person. We've done some good work together already. Um, Terry is the co-founder of a company that I've been working for for the last eight years that I love called Patel, which stands for Plans to Take on the World. And it's a community of CEOs and CMOs coming together for impact and influence and change to create a what we call a brighter, more beautiful tomorrow. And Terry's a special, special person. He's an ultimate connector. He's got a big heart, a brilliant brain. And when he... Whenever he introduces me to someone, it's always a growth moment. It's yeah. always a huge gift. And you and I had a call, and the call was just full of life and had that sort of friend for 20 year vibe when you'd been on the phone for 12 minutes. And that was awesome. And you were like, we should meet for breakfast. I'm going to be in LA. Let's find a time. And we just made it work. And it was a great testament to when you feel energy from somebody else that feels infectious, that is symbiotic, like make it work, just get there. And we sat in Hollywood and we had a coffee and we talked about our work and what we both do, which is be really passionate about helping people to communicate effectively and make their dreams become a reality. And then we had you speak in a a sort of what we call a future form, one of these sessions. And then you and I just started chopping it up about our lives and about what we are both building. So here we are. I love it. it I love it. And Sammy, I must say that my initial phone conversation with you, uh, when you showed up, I'm like, there's no way that's the one that was on the phone. Because, I mean, I think it's an important note, and I'm sure it'll come across in this, but you are... You're so fast, right? You're so fast, both witted wise as well as piecing things together. But, but you also are able to articulate with like such conviction. I don't know what I imagined, but I certainly didn't. I think I imagined someone like 20 years older than you. 
I'm like, oh my gosh, like Sammy is like a total baller at, uh, you know, as the, just like, and, and the fact that you just, you just crush forward, right? Like, and, and that's so admirable. And I will say like, you know, one of my big themes is like, go try to get as deep as you can, mm-hmm. as fast as possible mm-hmm. with connection. And you are one of those anomalies that I tell people about where it was like we immediately started to go there and and I learned so much about your history. I want I want you to bring everyone to kind of present day sure. of what brings you into the impact factory today of what kind of has gotten you to where you are. Because also the more time I spend with you, I'm like, wait, you 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 did that and and you have a degree in what like this is crazy. Well, that's it's really kind of you to say, Chris, thank you. Um I have a deceptively tall personality and I also have a deceptively older sounding voice. And when I see someone in person, they're like, oh, this 5'2 little redhead, this scrappy little redhead is actually the person I was talking to on the phone. It's always surprising, but that's a reminder to, you know, let it unfold in front of you and learn those things to to catch people up on kind of where I've been and and where I am today. Um, I grew up on the East Coast outside of New York City in a place called Bergen County, New Jersey. I went to college in upstate New York at Ithaca College, which is a beautiful place to learn and explore and kind of find your passions. Um, through high school and college, and probably since I was an infant, I love language. I love words. I think that they are an art form. Um, I heard a great quote recently, which is, I am an artist and words are my medium. And I think that that is so apt for me. I followed that dream to the West Coast to go to Hollywood because it is the storytelling mecca of our nation and a place where people follow that fairy tale. And I started my career at Paramount Pictures. I did a few different things. Originally, it was all focused in marketing, which is what my first degree was in. And I got the experience of what it looks like to be at a studio as the studio continues to redefine itself. Mm. Ultimately, there was an opportunity there launching diversity and inclusion, learning and development, employee engagement, and then ultimately leading internal comms. And I just took this step outside of what I thought was the path. I thought it was, you go to a studio, you're a marketer, you become a theatrical marketer, you become a publicist, that is the direction for a language professional who who loves the movie business. And it really was unveiled to me quickly that that is not the only path. There are so many paths that are just don't have this label on them of what you're supposed to follow. So I landed in these departments that I was surprised by. I ultimately was able to become sort of this inner studio cheerleader that was leading employee engagement for 2,500 people on lot and ultimately leading internal comms. That was the voice of how we communicated with his employee population. While I was there, they had me be their guinea pig in tuition reimbursement. So I got my master's degree in communication science. And during that process, I had just started my degree and I was working full time and my father, who was my favorite person on the planet, got diagnosed with um, AML, which is a kind of leukemia. Mm. And he was living on the East Coast and I'm an only child and my parents were not married at the time. And he was my best friend. And he said, listen, you can come home anytime you want. You can be here to go through this journey with me. But there are two rules. And I said, "Okay." He said, you cannot quit school and you cannot quit your job. And I said, those are two really awful, unfair rules. And he said, well, whether it's this or it's something else, there's going to be a day where I'm not here. And I want you to carry forward in what you're doing. And these are going to be really important pillars of that becoming a reality. So I spent two years going back and forth across the country and taking care of him and completing my master's degree. Challenge accepted. Exactly. Like 
all right, suit up. Now's mm-hmm. the moment. This is when you see what you're made of. And the moments that are really hard, you take them one at a time. And the moments that you look back and see what you've gone through, you have a fortitude that you didn't think was possible. I graduated from my master's degree 60 days after I did. He passed away from cancer. Oh, wow. And I was sitting on the Paramount lot on the Forrest Gump bench, which is the famous bench. It still sits on the lot. And I was looking at the palm trees and I thought, I'm going to spend my whole life sitting in these gates. And I need to sort of snow globe shake my life right now. I've had this major loss moment. I've had these other accomplishments and I need to change things. So I took a meeting with a company I'd never heard of. That's Patau. And I met them on a Thursday. I resigned the following Tuesday and that was eight years ago. So that's sort of the fairly quick and dirty example of of kind of my road here. But here I am today and um, there are new exciting things coming. So I want to hear from you. I think so often, or at least in the organizations and people that I connect with, our paths unveil themselves by other people. And, you know, you, you, you take some of these critical decisions all of us make. In, in your case, it was kind of chasing this dream and then kind of pivoting to another place. What was it? When you're in those types of situations, what is it that drives your ultimate decision? Because, I mean, I I see something in you where you make almost a decision quickly and you act on it. And I think that it's in that delay and that instinct that I think so many people need someone to help them. Yeah. Right. And why the purpose and some of those other pieces. But how do you do that? How do you how do you what are you putting that through? Well, the execution looks really fast. The execution looks fast. It looks like you make a decision and you execute really quickly. The truth is that there's a tremendous amount of backing thinking that's happened that nobody gets to see. And whether it's something as simple as, I want to reorganize this room in my house, or I have this major project that I'm going to write, or I want to make this life change. The execution part should be fast because that's where you capture the moments that are going to kind of pass you by if you don't execute quickly. The prep should be really thoughtful thinking and really starting to socialize this with the people you trust. So before I left the studio and changed, you know, my job dramatically, I went from a, you know, well, globally known brand to a company that's an amazing community, but not known ubiquitously in the marketplace. Before I made that decision, I really went inside to think about what about this is pulling me back? Is it something different? Is it a risky moment that I need to feel kind of alive that I need to be able to say, okay, I'm at this particular juncture. This is the level of risk I can mitigate. This is the level of risk I'm willing to take on, do this. And like, what is the downside really? The downside is you think it's a mistake, you change that. But the execution part is always fast. The pre-work that you do with yourself to be confident in how you make decisions and to be sure that you've understood the steps are gonna happen way before you're ever in the moment for them happening. Those are the things that I think prepare me for being able to take an idea and get to a finish line quicker once the clock starts Mm. once we push go we should be able to get to a finish line quickly but that's because we're not meandering around in the in-between we're not like trying to figure it out at that point sure sure i mean and i I think you know one of the things that i'm trying to help catalyze is more of a choose your own adventure Mm. especially within organizations that aren't you know lateral moves being one of those but um how can we each choose our choose our own adventure mm-hmm. and take action on these things that I'm always pivoting, right? Maybe right. to almost like a, an extreme where like I'll give up on something and, uh, and be like, cause it's not, it doesn't feel right. So I'm moving on to the next people are like, Chris, like 
really? Like you put so much time. It's like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't feel it. And it's almost like I'm too resilient in that fact. But one thing I admire so much in you, Sammy, is that you're always kind of crafting this uncharted new territory for yourself. And, 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 you know, the biggest of which is, which I want you to talk about, uh, this new project that, that you're embarking on, which really excites me. Talk a little bit about what it is you're about to embark on and, and what it means for you and and where you want to take it. Okay. So from the time that I was a kid and my father believed in not using baby talk, he wouldn't do the goo goo gaga stuff. He would read me the stock ticker while he was changing my diapers. That was kind of the thing that was a joke in our family, but it was true. And I love language. And when I was in high school, I was a competitive speaker. That was sort of my calling. I'm not great at sports, but that was the sport that I could excel at. So I did that. And then when I was in college, it became like I was a great speechwriter. And that was that was what I wanted to do with my life and eventually become a news anchor. And that wasn't a path I took. I took a different one. But this language thread has kind of come through my whole life. And it's not just about the art of words and how you use them. It's also about persuasive speaking and understanding how to be comfortable and control your emotions when it comes to interpersonal conversations. So this through line of being able to express myself and quell my own fear has been a huge definition point in how my career has had a certain sort of trajectory. And when I moved to LA, I was exposed to this charity organization that's called Minds Matter. And it takes the bottom 2% of LAUSD schools, the top 2% of performers, and they get to go to the sixth day of high school. And I built and have facilitated for the last 14 years, the speech and oratory practices curriculum. And I would see these students who were so afraid of sharing their voice be able to find themselves against topicalities that are big societal fracture, broken parts of the world. Those kind of things you see in the news cycle that are heavy stuff to discuss, but this is what these students wanted to take on. And they wanted to feel confident being able to express their views on the world. And over this decade and a half of doing that work and watching these students find themselves, I started to wonder if that was really relegated to sophomores in high school. Mm. And the more exposure I got through my full-time work, the more I realized that that level of fear and difficulty between the brain-mouth connection to put your anxieties aside and your emotions in check, to be able to share your thoughts and explicate them in a way that's really effective, not only is that not a sophomore in high school problem, that is an almost everybody problem. Sure. And I've decided to recommit myself, you know, amongst the other forays that I have in my life that I love to build this business that's going to help people. And it it has been doing it for years, but just taking that big step of making it more formal feeling uh, to help people share at the highest level of eloquence. It's called the shape of words. And the concept is how can we coach each other to be able to share our gifts in a way that other people can understand and that they want to take action. Because the easiest way that I can explain it is most people have a gift. They're great at something. But most people don't necessarily have that gift and have the gift of being able to communicate that Mm. skill really well. You can have incredible filmmakers or comedians or painters or business people who are exceptional at their trade, but they cannot communicate how their process works, the way that they help people to get to a goal, being able to sell their actual idea in in a meaningful fashion. And that to me is a huge miss for society because we are, we have so many people that are untapped and so afraid to share their thoughts that if we can quell that fear and help people 
express themselves more openly and more fluidly more often, I can't imagine what kind of impact that could create. It's so good. I mean, in, you know, in my experience now that, you know, I'm speaking all, at all these different places and, you know, I've done the books and the podcasts and, and this stuff and so many people reach out to me and, and, and sometimes unsuspecting people, right? And they're like, Chris, like, can you just tell me a little bit about how you've done what you've done? And, and my first thing back to them is you have to be so to see this all the way through, mm -hmm. you have to make sure that you are incredibly passionate about it. Yeah. And therefore, the tenacity will come a lot easier. But it also, you know, you look at my archetype and, and even like my upbringing of being the youngest of six kids and an identical twin. Like there are certain things that I was meant to be not only around people, but to be doing kind of what I do. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, I go back to it was in the third grade. My only positive thing on my report card from Mrs. A.B. was Chris's enthusiasm is contagious. Mm. And I remember that to this day. But, you know, all in all, I use that as an example of like this stuff comes a lot naturally to me than like my wife, Julie, who was a pro soccer player sure. and has done a lot of, you know, Today Show and stuff. But she she looks at what I do. She's like, it's so easy for you. Now, how when someone approaches you mm -hmm. right and or you see someone with that great trait or trade or whatever it is right it might be a film it might be a, a specific talent and you want to craft them using your processes how do you overcome some of these things that we either innately have or do not and overcome meaning like the fear part or like the, the fear the, the confidence the are being able to articulate um I mean, even introvert, extrovert. I mean, mm -hmm. you're, I would guess, a huge extrovert, although I, am. I haven't. Yeah. I am, yeah. Right, I, as I, I am. Yeah, we both feed off of people's energy, and I think that you have to identify with yourself if that being around other people fills your cup or zaps your energy. You know, that's the real thing. But I don't know that anybody is totally an introvert or totally an extrovert. I think people need to listen to what they need in that particular moment. Yeah. And that's really important, to have a good relationship with yourself and understand what you need. Um, to answer directly around how do you identify something like that for someone? How do you help them work through it? There's a couple of different recipe elements. I mean, the first of which is you have to be passionate about what you do and be an expert in it. So for example, someone who has some interest in filmmaking is not the kind of person that my work is going to be really effective for. You have to have done those other pieces around your calling and then getting connected to it and then putting in your time and real reps on making sure that you become great at what that thing you do is because then your source material is much healthier. So for me, I'm always looking first at is what the person does actually great? Because I, I say this respectfully, but these tools work for anybody. It's just the gravity of which you're going to see impact in your life is going to be the difference because I can help someone to communicate really beautifully in a meeting and that comes from some preparation and some comfort with the self and some of that pre-work we talked about around go through it in your head before you're sitting in person and then it's a little less shocking and you're a little less caught off guard and you're a little less like losing your words and saying, oh, I wish if I could go back, this is how I would say it differently. And it's like, well, when you got to that conversation, that should have been the third version of it. It shouldn't have been the first time. Like you don't get another one after. So some of that is the pre-work. But my point is you want to be sure that what it is we're communicating, you know really well. 
the first rule of debate used to be never try to defend an argument you don't actually know what you're talking about. And that's a problem. I mean, most people get wildly ignited in an emotional fashion about something that they are not ready to be challenged If on. only more politicians took heat on that, right? I mean, that's a whole, we, you and I yeah, can not, start a whole not, separate series there. about why there. communicating in the public to people who are, not, are only half listening what that really means. So that's a whole separate thing. We could talk about that at some point. But the key is if you know your source material really well, when it comes to the things that are going to throw you off your game, like pressure, like anxiety, like a, you know, your own self-worth stuff that comes up. If you know your material of what you do and what you offer, then being able to communicate it effectively is going to be much easier. But there's, so here's a tension point mm -hmm. that I want you to talk about. Sure. One thing that drives me absolutely crazy is that there's this idea and I think social media has been one of the greatest pieces of why this isn't an issue mm. is this everything is so instant. We talk about the influencers that are on their Lamborghinis with their $100 bills <laughs> or, you know, uh, all of a sudden this person has like 300,000 followers and they're talking about financial advice and they actually have no idea yeah. what it is that and then you look at the influx of ai and chat gpt and anyone can write a book in 24 hours like how how is it that you suggest people pursue these things in a way that they can truly be that expert in something that they're passionate about well what you bring up is the dawn of understanding how to use social media versus the actual experts that are on it and I think everyone has been delivered with this sort of dichotomy of issue to solve for. The first of which is I either you start with, I want to have presence and I'm going to figure out something to talk about. And that's not usually the right recipe because you might be great at understanding an algorithm or understanding how to amplify posts and get some kind of traction on it. But you're not really saying anything that's that valuable to your audience. You might be a really likable personality. That's a part of a way that people can kind of design themselves to become a persona within the social media environments, which are really just our communication channels that are, that are most accessible within arm's reach right now. But the people that start as an expert and then ultimately find their way into sharing that with the world, it's, it's exactly the thesis. That's the point. So when you ask the question of how can you do this in a more authentic way, how can you do this in a way where you're going to be able to grow that footprint, it's because you actually have something to say and you're spending a little less time. You should partner with people who are social media experts. I don't believe that every person who has social media should be a social media expert. I think you should be a person who has something that you're passionate about and uses as a channel to, to share that with the world, not the other way around. Mm. Not this channel is available. I mean, it's, it's like we have microphones hanging from the sky and you can walk outside and just grab one and now you're holding it and people are listening, but you weren't prepared with what you were gonna do once you put it in your hand. That is not the right recipe. Like, let's start with the thinking part. Let's start with what is it that you like spending your time on? And you can learn that from social media. You can explore channels that you see that you're attracted to. Your algorithm will sort of teach you a little bit about yourself in a strange way, which I find interesting. Turns out I'm interested in words and cupcakes a lot, but that, that, that's what comes up on mine. You know, but I think people really need to come back to some of those human experiences of what are the things that ignite my spirit? Mm. Do I like to cook? Do I like to paint? Do I like to speak to people? Do I like, you know, we were talking today with your daughter who's so sweet and I asked her what her favorite subject in school was and she sort of gave me what was her own very political answer of like, 
she said she liked dismissal. Yeah, dismissal. Yeah, she said she liked dismissal. Um, and then which I said, says a lot about a her lot, as a student, which right? Says a lot, but she's she's an up and coming badass in her own right. Yeah. And I said, if you had to pick between math and language, what would you pick? And she said, math. And it either could have been she just wanted to answer the question, so I would stop asking her questions, which is possible, or that that was actually a place that she was attracted to. But going through some of that stuff that we divorce ourselves from after we're kids, you know, people stopped asking you eventually of like, what's your favorite subject in school? And the funny thing is that I kind of think we should start asking each other, like, what's your favorite subject in life? Totally. Like, like we should start doing that and let people purely so that other people have a chance to re-ask it to themselves. So that's some of the stuff that I think really gets us towards what is going to be quality content that's out there. What's going to be the thing that I can help people express it more effectively. And it starts from, is there a real germinated seed of brilliance here that all we're trying to do is ensure that you find the right language that fits who you are and how you can share that story with the world. Uh, and I mean, I wholeheartedly agree. And, you know, at the same time, so many people are saying what they want to do and then they don't do it. Mm -hmm. And I think that at what you present to me and your full being, right, is that you take action on these things and really quit and, and myself as well. Right. Sometimes that can also be, you know, a con uh, as well as a pro. But one of the things like one of my favorite exercises that I like to do with people when they reach out to me, well, largely unfulfilled with tears in their eyes mm. saying like, Chris, I want a little bit more of what you talk about on stage. And right. and and, you know, the biggest piece connection m most, you know, most importantly with ourselves. Right. Mm -hmm. And what drives us and then. Figuring out, you know, a lot of times these people feel unfulfilled, right, in their day-to-day -day track that they've now been on. And a lot of times at like age 55, right? Mm -hmm. And it's never too late is what I tell them. And then I give them the exercise of just like meta tags on a YouTube video. Think about all those mm -hmm. things that people go to you for advice around mm -hmm. that fire you up to answer. And, right. you know, for me, it's kiteboarding. It's, it's, you know, surfing Kelly's wave at Surf Ranch. It's being the father of two daughters. It's building a business out of a book. It's scripting a, a keynote that can actually get people fired up. It's all of these different things. And then after they come up with that list, I say, now, out of all of that list, name one of those that you actually are passionate enough around to record a podcast a week for the next year. And be honest with yourself. Because that's going to then dictate where it is that you're going to start going 100%. deeper, right? And and I think and that's where the, the I think everyone should have a side hustle, mm -hmm. right? And even if you have the biggest job in the world, like it's important that we start flexing these things that we oftentimes neglect because we're stuck in our day to day track. A hundred percent. I mean, what you're talking about is just distilling down to the essence of how you show up, because there's a lot of noise. There's all these other things that we can be, and there's a lot of different roles we all have to play in our lives, but there are ones where you feel most natural and most ignited, and the tension point we have to carry with us and be really careful around is how to not take the thing that ignites you and make it such an obligation where it's exhausting and it loses mm. that joy. So that's definitely a balance you have to strike, and I think that it comes from staying fresh and staying current in what that work looks like. You know, I don't reference, I certainly reference tools I've had since 
I was in high school, but you always have to be adding new ones. There, there have to be different things that if this passion area becomes less interesting at some point, that's a litmus test for you to start to explore something else. You know, if it doesn't have that longevity of spirit where I want to talk about language all the time. I love talking about interpersonal communications. I love seeing the dynamics between people. The reason is because it's a sport you exercise every single day, all the time, constantly. You're in the airport. How are you talking to that gate agent? Because it's going to change the way your next 20-minute mm -hmm. experience is going to go. You meet people. You're in environments where you're just kind of finding these moments where you have to interact with other people. And people who try to avoid it keep feeling like they're unlucky or that they don't have this connection to the world. They feel very isolated and they continue to isolate. That to me just doesn't feel my spirit. Mm. It, doesn't, it doesn't feel good to be um, disconnected. And there's plenty of time to balance that where if you're a social person and that does fill your cup, it's important to take time and be able to be still with yourself, of course. But there's a balance. And if you consider yourself an introvert and you say that, you have to find ways to be able to say, okay, I can be comfortable talking to other people. Yeah. Because anybody who does that all or nothing thinking of, I'm an introvert, I can't go there. There is a whole huge section of the world and the life experience that's offered to them that they're missing. And the same thing that goes for an extrovert that says, I'm out every single night, I'm on the phone every single minute. The question is, can you find stillness and peace and being by yourself too? Mm. Like they, they're both really, really important. Yeah. So I think it's a balance. A hundred. Yeah. I mean, and you know, one of the things that I think you bring up put into application is what I call irresponsible reinvention. And I mean, I'm probably an example of that. I've spent all of my life in marketing right. and I had convinced myself that, Oh, I hate marketing, <laughs> right? I'm not going to do this anymore. Yeah. And now a year in to whatever this is, I'm like, wait, I actually really like it. You know, yeah. like I like the, it's just that because of certain situations and where I was, I was like, oh no, I'm going to do something way over here. And, and I think that's one thing that I, I want to encourage people to take action on, which is be responsible to the things that you are currently an expert in mm -hmm. before you ditch it for something that you think you want to pursue because it's a passion of yours yeah well and i think people there's a lot of sayings you know there's all these sort of um slogans around how people are supposed to run their life like well go go head first in the deep end and it's like <laughs> well how about you have a, a risk adverse you know way to navigate the world too like there yeah. there are ways to balance these things you can explore something without burning the whole house down figuratively Just and burning then starting the boats again. like you don't need to do that I think the curiosity of thought is the thing that I am most attracted to in other people. People who like to explore the way the brain works and the way that we get ignited by things and the way we find passion and interest in certain areas and that they're always learning something new. I mean, it was like six weeks ago and the world and the news cycle is in such a heinous, difficult place that it can make you feel very out of control and very sad and frankly helpless, even though all of us have so much influence and opportunity to make change. That I said to myself one Sunday afternoon, I was like, I'd really like to do something for my soul. So when I want to do that, I try to cook, I try to garden. I had a minor in sculpture when I was in college, so I try to make art when I can. And sculpture with a potter's wheel is a little hard to do in my house right now, so I can't do that. But I thought, let me see if I can teach myself how to crochet. So I went to the art store and I bought a couple of the things and I sat down on my couch and I popped on a YouTube video and I taught myself how to do this. 
And it wasn't about making a baby blanket, which yes, that was the <laughs> ultimate outcome, but it was about the fact that I reminded myself that at 35 years old and have feeling like I'm continuing to form as the person that, that I am, there's, the brain has opportunity to learn something new. Mm. And that exercise of being creative and teaching yourself something, it does a tremendous amount for your self-worth, for your ability to understand how to, how to navigate other things that come in your path, for your problem solving, for your patience, for your fortitude. These are all like really important translatable skills that I was just sitting on a couch with some, you know, some yarn, seeing if I could make my friends a baby blanket. Because yeah. I, you know, we have a baby coming in our friend circle. So that's awesome. But that's the key: is like stay curious, stay creative, and try something new, even if it feels like a silly arts and crafts moment. It's not about that. It's about what's going on for your brain when you try to do something. Brand yeah, new. and I mean, and I think it's like you know, the first, there's been studies done on like the most important thing in your day to day routine is like making your bed, like mm -hmm. pro that progress mm -hmm. of whether it be crocheting, making your bed in the morning, like is so important. But then also this concept of neuroplasticity, right? Yes. Like how can we actually yes. make yourself be uncomfortable and without throwing 9 million cliches out there, mm -hmm. there, there, there's a, a, a truth and validated data behind what it is that um, we all need to be practicing more of, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, what I've, what, so what do you tell the person that just feel like they are totally stuck, mm. right? They, they, what I hear a lot, you know, they, they hate their job. They're, they, they lack kind of fulfillment in their life and a lot of times connection. Like, where is it that you encourage people to start the journey versus kind of what we've been talking about, like almost ready to take it on. Yeah. And, and that, and I, I always say I'm really good. I'm, I'm horrible at broken. I mean, I'm okay at broken humans. Right. But like, I'm like, there are experts for that. I'm right. good when you're at a six out of 10 and ready to rock and roll mm -hmm. and move fast. I'm your guy. Mm -hmm. Right. But the one through six, there's other resources that I encourage them to go after. Mm -hmm. What, what do you, what do you tell those people that, come to you and and are kind of that one to six so we'll just we'll use it as like a scenario so they sure. can give it some tangibility um let's say there's a person who works in accounting at a television network and they don't love accounting but they love the way that tv and film is scored they love the music that goes behind content that's that's their passion area they may need to stay an accountant for a little while because that pays their bills and that's a place they have a reputation and they got training in it and that's what they do. And even if they don't love it, that's what they do in, in part of how their brain works. That's part of their hours they spent and that's fine. What I tell people who are in this setting, and this works for people who are either employed or want to get new employment or want to do or want to find their first job, it doesn't matter who they are. Um, I teach people to create systems as if you already have a channel of this. And that means things like you start an unpublished blog and you go through the practice of spending hours researching and developing this particular passion into a skill. Because there's a very big difference between a passion and a skill. Passion is something that I love. A skill is something that I've spent hours in fine-tuning to, to be great at this thing that I love. That's a, they're two different things. So if you are passionate about the scores that go behind TV and film, and you love that music and you want to understand more about it, then I tell people, okay, pick a year between 1999 and 2022, any of those years. Pick a year, look at the Academy Awards, and look who won 
best original score. And now take a set of those years and say, okay, here are the different people who won score that year. And here's their library of IP that they've created and watch all of them. And every time you watch one, if you love Trent Reznor, watch the movies that he's been a part of and then write one paragraph about it. And it's like very layman's easy stuff. But the reason I tell people to do it is do that for three months. And after 90 days has elapsed, look at what you've created. If you have done this and you have this document that you love, that's got like a title and then the film movie and then who the person was that scored and then like your synopsis of what you thought. And then you're starting to see a bunch of these different pieces and you're drawing threads between them and you're drawing themes, you're understanding people's styles. That means you should move to the next step and exploring this is something that you want to do professionally. I love it. But if it's not, if it's, if 90 days has elapsed and you've watched three of the movies and you never wrote the paragraphs, you are not prepared to make a change in this part of your life. And that's okay. But that means that there's something else we need to work on. That means that there's either your discipline is not quite right or you're not organized enough for taking this on. I believe that the, that the, the time commodity is flexible because people get done what they want to get done. You know, I, I have a lot of friends who say to me, your schedule is really crazy and somehow you're, you, know, you come home from these trips and like you're still cooking dinner for 12 of our friends. You have people in the house and the house looks neat. Like, how are you doing this? And the answer is I spend time making my life run as fluidly as I can so that I have as much space as I can to do all the different things that I want to do. I love it. But you have to stay that organized. And, yeah. you, and the, the key with what I was just talking about is you have to identify if this passion is really going to stay something that you just love or something that you actually want to do. Because those are, they're not always the same. Totally. And, and sometimes when you're doing it, you're like, uh, you know, yeah. kind of got that done. And I don't know. Like, you might next? just like watching movies. Yeah. You may not need to right. like research scores and have that become a thing that you become a professional critic on. Like that may not be the answer, but the activity is healthy. You know, this is productive activity. This is less sedentary, less stuck behavior. The goal here and the real thing that we're circling around is what is an action you can take to try to move yourself one iota away from being as stuck as you feel in this moment? So I've got a, what could be a controversial question, but I don't think it is. And, you know, I'll sometimes hear from people saying like, actually this happened and as I was interviewing for Save Your Asks and, you know, one of these things, one of my big pieces that uh, I was talking to this woman about was life being a ruthless pursuit, pursuit of passions. Sure. And she was like, she, she was like, time out, Chris. Like, I'm, my parents were both immigrants, mm. right? And they both worked in factories. Do you think they had any time in their day to day to pursue right. any one of their passions? Right. Absolutely not. It was, you know, you look at what is probably comprised of a large percentage of the population that they don't have the resources, the money, the capacity to do these things, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's usually the privileged few that do. 100%. How does money play in all of this? And, and, and what solutions do you have to overcome some of those, um, headwinds? Listen, life is an extremely expensive proposition. Privilege comes, there's a reason it's called privilege. Um, it's a wildly unfair, both the systems around us are broken. And I said it this way, um, differently in another conversation they're not broken they work really well for the people who built them mm -hmm. but they are not equitable and they are broken and there is none of this is to be said that 
it's easy to say something like, oh, well, put some more time aside. And while you're working your two jobs and taking care of your kids and trying to clean your house and trying to get your parent to a doctor's appointment, all these things that people carry with them that, oh, you can just find this extra time to like explore something that you're passionate about. I think it's really, really hard to do in general of kind of a pivot, a breakthrough moment, a change to what the, the something that is going in a certain direction will continue going in that direction to change its course is very, very hard to do. So to your point about money and the relationship with money and how you use things to move yourself forward, I have a, I believe very seriously in having financial literacy and having people understand what money is meant to be used for and how to properly understand what your debt to credit profile really looks like as an individual. And the reason for understanding that is because one, we are not taught these things in school and we should be. I don't know the last time you used geometry very often, but last I checked, I wish somebody would have talked more about what it means to file your taxes properly. Like yeah. That's important. Um, but the point I'm getting to is when resources is a part of the equation, and it is for everybody, it, it, it is for everybody, it needs to be a part of the equation regardless of the level, it, it becomes less of a problem for different levels, of course. We have, you and I both have a lot of friends where that's never a question part of it, and you yeah. and I have certain questions about it, and then we have a lot of other friends who it is the biggest thing that they need to solve for most of the time. When it comes to, depending on the size of factor it is, in whatever it is you're trying to solve for, I believe in scrappiness. I believe in you don't need to overinvest in something that you're not ready to see the dividends from or the risk of that loss. Mm. So for example, I, you know, we'll take it back to we'll take it back to crochet for a second yes. here. A very sexy area to talk yeah. about. Instead of buying every single supply you could possibly need for the hobby of crochet, which is by the way a very inexpensive hobby, but Instead of buying all of those things, you need to take a toe into the water to see if this is the right place to double down. And that goes the same way for maybe you don't quit your full-time job that has healthcare from a company that you can't stand and you don't love the people you work with and you're not sure how you feel about those things. If that's your scenario, you do have to balance how do I survive with how do I thrive. You have to pay your bills. You have to be able to buy groceries. Those are important things that are just going to fuel your life. Because when those things become harder, the stress and the cortisol level goes so high that that creative energy comes way down. Mm. You go into, I need to make it through this month, not I can dream about what's happening next month. Like that, Those two things all of a sudden get quickly divorced and that latter one is not even on the table. So I think when it comes to money, there's a few things I think are really, really important for people. The first of which is understanding and being financially literate is critical. And what I mean by that is, have you ever spent time with a financial advisor to plan out what your goals are? And if you haven't, they would love to meet with you. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you have or don't have. There are plenty of people who want to be able to educate you on financial instruments and products that are out there that can be how you save. Understanding compound interest is really important uh, because that is how your biggest commodity is time. And the sooner you have these conversations to understand how to chart for your future, the more likely you have an opportunity to have those resources available to you at different junctures through your life when you're going to need them. Hmm. So I think that when the money conversation is concerned, if it's a short-term solve that we're looking for, if you have the time and space to do it, you can take on a side hustle. I have absolutely zero judgment about anything anyone wants to do that helps them put cash into their family circle, into their pocket. And by the way, I mean this on a legal front. Yeah. Anything they want to do that is legal and above the line, of course. But 
I like hustle. I like being around people who have hustle. I appreciate that if you're solving for something, you're like, hey, I really want to have a podcast, but I can't afford to buy the equipment. Okay, let's start with things like, have you gone on Facebook Marketplace to see if there's somebody who's maybe closing their studio and wants to do a good deed for somebody else? Have you explored if there's another friend who also wants to do this? Maybe you guys can go half-seas on something. Then if one of you is really into it, maybe you figure it out. Like There, there is not just one road to get to these sure. things. So when it comes to the part around privilege and money and what opens those doors for these pieces to come in i like coming back to being really creative mm -hmm. i like coming back to exhausting all the options we've had before you even have to really start putting a spend against something i love it i love it and okay so i want to pivot for a second Great. you're surrounded by arguably some of the most influential people in the world some of them sure. a-list celebrities etc how one thing that i really appreciate about you is your ability to get to that place of authentic connection pretty quickly. Yeah. What tactics do you use as you're hobnobbing with the who's who, but then also you're, you know, you're always with these different kind of audiences. Yeah. How do you do it? Well, they are people and it would be nice for them to be reminded of that sometimes. Right. And most of them are most attracted to people who don't treat them like they're Martians. These are just people. We are all just people. It doesn't matter who, who it is. Um, you know, I was raised in a fashion where no matter who the person was that you were connecting with, whether it was somebody who, you know, was the doorman at the apartment building you went in and out of every single day, I know him on a first name basis. I mean, I knew every single security guard at Paramount and I knew every single person sitting in the C-suite. Like, they're, these are all just human beings. So the first tactic and the most important one is you have to be really comfortable with yourself. Because if you're comfortable, the people around you are comfortable. And that, star that starts a good vibe. That starts a good relationship. And secondly, while it's lovely to be hospitable to people around you, and you can ask someone if they need something, you don't need to make yourself feel really small because there's somebody else here who has such a big presence or an incredible reputation. Right. Um, all of the people that I've had the pleasure of, of crossing paths with at all of their different degrees of influential nature at the core thing they all have in common is they'd really love to just have a sense of normalcy. Uh -huh. They'd really love to just be able to connect in an authentic way. And the thing that refreshes them when we get to discuss any of the multitude of topics that we go through, whether it's about, about leadership or business evolution or any of those things, they just appreciate honest feedback. They appreciate candor. Your delivery is really going to matter because, you know, Influential people have a lot of noise around them and you need to say something that is different and interesting enough without it seeming trite and like it doesn't make any sense. So right. you got to kind of balance that where you can be like, have you thought about bluebirds? And the person's like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, that, like that's not going to work. Um, but you can be versed in what you're talking about. And it comes back to know your source material, know yourself and engage with people in a way that feels really authentic. And well, so get, let's get tactical. So what are your go-tos when you're trying to get to that place of connection? I mean, uh, this, which is one of my favorite games. Yeah. Like, and I always picture myself at that round table, right? Whether it's a mm -hmm. nonprofit fundraiser mm -hmm. or, you know, might be for, with coworkers and you're like, okay, you know what everyone's kids ages and names are. And you're like, oh, like, when's this going to be over? Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, all right, who wants to play the question game? And everyone's mm -hmm. always like, okay, what, what's he talking about? And yeah. then, you know, I, I, I go into, and I learned this from Bart Foster, a good friend of mine, but it's like, all right, what's the greatest gift you've ever been given and why? And, you know, um, uh, if you're stuck on a plane and you, 
tomorrow morning, you can go anywhere in the world. You're yeah. stuck on a plane, yeah. first class. You can pick who your seatmate is going to be. It can't be someone that is dead, a family member, and uh, a fr- or a friend. It needs to be someone. And where are you going? and Who are you bringing? Right? Like so. And then you start like getting into these conversations and learning so much about those other people, yeah. which I do truly believe curiosity is mm-hmm. the difference difference between connecting and networking. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's when you start getting curious in those things and hearing these amazing answers from the like most unsuspecting people that you're like, ah, that was so much fun, right? So what are some of your go-tos? I mean, I'm going to take it like a step back sure. because you immediately assume that people are comfortable like introducing themselves to this table. I'm going to take it to like the level where <laughs> Good, like you. you have to go to this thing that you've been dreading all week and you've been <laughs> sweating all day that there is like your spouse or your friend has invited you to this charity gala and you, or you're going with work and you have to sit at a table and there's going to be 10 other people at this table who are strangers to you and you've been obsessing about this so much that you have no idea what was just said on the conference call you're on because you're really already worrying about what you have to do tonight. I'm going to take it for that person. Okay, let's do it. So you go into this environment, you sit at the table, as silly and flippant and stupid as this sounds, you must make eye contact, have a proper handshake, look the person next to you in the eye and say, hi, I'm, and say your name. When I meet someone, I genuinely smile from my heart. I look at them. I shake their hand and say, hi, I'm Sammy. It's so nice to meet you. But I mean it. You have to mean it. People may not always be able to identify bullshit, but their guts can. So you have to be authentically happy to be there. And if you are miserable to be there, do your best to get out of this because you shouldn't be there. Like if you are going to be miserable and be there, it's going to be awful propagating stuff around you. So you want to be one, actively choose joy going in. You're going, you're doing this. Let's make it a good experience because there's a Buddhist philosophy of actively choosing happiness over suffering every moment of every day. You can see this as an obligation and a thing you don't want to go to, or you can see this as another experience that you're going to have and you're going to go and you're going to have a good time. So the first thing is let's walk in with a decent attitude before we piss off ourselves and everybody else around us. The second thing is introduce yourself to the people around you in a way that feels authentic and present and meaningful and like you were actually paying attention. If you are looking at someone and you are connected with them, do not be looking over their shoulder at something else. They can feel it. You can feel it. It's not a good vibe. It's a awful trait to have like you shouldn't do that you should give someone your attention in that moment and that's where you should be when you start to engage with people then you've kind of like broken through the we're not totally strangers now now what i believe is take a hop from being not totally strangers to like sort of casual friends quickly because if there's something on the table, be like oh um is that butter over there like is that the butter? like okay cool could you pass it like like, just treat it as if you now know this person. You just met them. You now know them. You don't need to ask them their social security number, but you can treat them like this is another human sitting at this table with you. They know you just as well as you know them, which is not well. So, like, everybody's uncomfortable. And just know that when you get really clear on that you're just trying to connect and you're just trying to be open, people start to mirror you back. If you're really closed and you feel negative, you're like, hey, nice to meet you. Like, Nobody wants to be around that. That's not attractive. That doesn't feel vivacious and fun. And it doesn't mean you have to be the light of the party and, and be super loud. You can have micro moments of joy with somebody and be authentic and they will enjoy you back. Mm. So I think the key is, yes, you can get to things like a question game. And that's when people always hope for someone like you and maybe someone like me to be at their table at an event like this. Oh my gosh, you and I have to be, put ourselves in this scenario I, where I mean, we're at a table together. Please, We're even going to have nine more friends or people that like get me at this table. <laughs> These two are like hosting an event within this event. But I think the key is that you got to be, first choose joy so your vibe is better. And second, be authentic when you meet people. And third, now just kind of like lean into the fact that 
we're all going through this experience. It's probably everybody's first time at this gala. They also don't know what's going on. Mm. So just explore it together and keep it light. And if you find yourself getting really anxious and uncomfortable because you're in a social setting and the amount of people that have social anxiety is a lot more people is a lot higher quantity than people realize. Sure. It is so scary for a lot of people to walk into somewhere by themselves, to travel by themselves, to go to an event where they don't know anybody. That is terrifying for most people. But you have to remember it's also scary for a lot of other people there. And if you say something like hey, it's nice to meet you. I'm Sammy. And somebody responds back and you say, you know what? I don't know anybody here. I'm so happy we've had a moment to connect. This was really nice. I have never met someone who was like, yeah, goodbye. Like mm. nobody ever does that. So, and if they do, it'll be a good story. You can tell I at some love point. It. So. I love it. All right. I'm going to ask you one of my favorite questions sure. to ask anyone that's sitting in the chair that you're in. Yes. And it's, what's your dream? Like, what is that thing? Um, you know, you've done so much yeah. in... A fairly short period of time, Thank Sammy, you. right? What, yes. what, what, what's your dream? What is it that you ultimately kind of feel that driving force around? Well, I told you that I went to school to be a news anchor. And I ultimately found out that news anchors read a teleprompter. And that was very disappointing because I thought they were just, you know, proliferating their thoughts into the world and, and kind of being the, the town the town criers of, of the new world of communication where they could share what was going on in the world around us. And that wasn't necessarily the case for a lot of people. So I realized that helping people to express themselves effectively is definitely the passion. And I think the dream is in finding environments where I can do that and other people can learn from it. So whether that ends up being its own and whether it ends up being a show or whatever that means, I don't know. But the dream is to continue to stay as ignited as I feel today. Mm. And I don't think that that is always a tangible answer to the dream is X. The dream is only no, get but to I here. Love that. I want to feel as ignited and grateful as I feel today. I've been through a lot of really difficult things. I've lost a lot of people. I've overcome a lot of hardships. I've, I've been through moments that are really formative in how I show up as a human being. And staying steeped in gratitude is not lip service to me. Because a lot of people would be like, I write in my gratitude journal every day. And it's like, that's great. But do you believe what you're writing? Or are you doing this just to go through the motions? Sure. And I live it very differently. No matter what is going on, I have to find some inkling of gratitude for it. I want to stay positive. I want to stay joyful. So the dream is to not find myself lost without those, without those feelings. Because it's been pretty effective to this point and i'd love to be able to share it with other people so that they can they can have that impact too so how can people get in touch with you sammy can you well there's a couple places and i'm sure we'll drop them on this um but you can look me up personally on instagram it's at sbr14 you can look up the new business foray, which is underscore the shape of words on Instagram. Or I'm your first follower, by the way. You are. You are. Christmas. It's not Maybe even open yet. It wasn't even released yet. You wanted to be my first follower, but it is there so that I can have the handle so that I could start to lovingly step into the space of, of creation. Um, the shape of words.net is coming early in 2024. Awesome. Um, I chose a .net because I think we should have a movement to bring I, .net I like back. It. I'm, just, I'm just putting out that. I like, I like it. a .net. Um, but you can get in touch with me in either of those ways. You can certainly reach out to Chris and get in touch with me as well. But the key here is that I just want people to know the things that we all feel are so unattainable. This is just, you know, they're long journeys, but just start them. Just start them and keep moving. I love it. And all right, so I want to leave everyone with some sort of resource. Sure. 
So you are very well read. You move very fast. What is your go-to resource for people that are seeking the same sort of kind of change and joy and, and passion in their life uh, that you've found to be most profound for you? There's a book I read. Um, it's, it's cool. It's sort of a smaller book. Uh, and it's Stand Like Lincoln, Speak Like Churchill. We'll link it below and we'll, I'll grab the author's name. I haven't read it in a long time, but it's one that I loved. Um, it's about presence. It's about I understanding it. how, to, how to show up in a, in a meaningful way. Um, and this is one that I think is interesting. Uh, so that's a book that's very tactical that I encourage people to take a look at if you do want to you know, fine tune the way that you speak, the way you show up, what kind of presence that you hold. Uh, where more people are going to be saying like, oh, there's like a magnetism that comes from you. And like, what yeah. is that? Um, that's where some of those things can be, can be learned and, and, and how they can be absorbed. Uh, the other thing that I tell people to do all the time, reread your favorite children's book. Whatever book you loved as a kid, you shouldn't have stopped reading it. And that's a mistake that most wow. people make. Um, mine is by Shel Silverstein. I love all of his work. Yeah. Um, I think it was called Missing Peace. Uh -huh. It's like a little yeah. Pac-Man kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a missing piece that he's looking for. Um, but I reread them and I encourage people to reread them. And there's a reason for it. The reason is that it reignites your joy. It reignites your curiosity. It reignites this childlike part of your brain um, that has a belief that more is possible. And I think we all graduate out of those kind of thinkings as we get older and the world starts to grind us down and erode us like a rock in a river. But um, you got to get back to that feeling of possibility. Because if you don't believe it, you're never going to get anybody else to believe it. So... I, those are my two little hacks um, to really get yourself back. I love back, it. Back I love fire. it. Two, two I have not heard, and um, I'm going to do the same. And I've now I've got to figure out uh, my favorite children's book. I mean, I, I have to go to like my first like novel that made me cry, which was Where the Red Fern Grows. Beautiful. Right? An amazing book. Yeah. An amazing book. <laughs> like, I mean, I, but, you can, there's a lot of them. Yeah. I mean, and we all remember some of them. Like, yeah. Rainbow fish. Well, you know, important book. Like, I mean, there's a lot of them out there. I, I was telling Marlon's teacher the other day. Um, I don't know what the feedback was, but I was like, um, can I just interrupt you for a second? I did a book report on Indian in the cupboard and I read the <laughs> whole book thinking that cupboard was cupboard. And so everything in my head, I had like, I, I've never seen a cupboard before, but like I had this little thing in my head as I read like the whole book and it was like, a, yeah, it was like a, a little it was like a, a thing for cops, right? And I'm like, why is the Indian in this small thing? And then they're like, no, it's covered, Chris, right? So anyways. And by the way, that affected you because years later, we're a couple of oh, multiple decades later from that point. Multiple he's decades. Still recovering from thinking it's for, cupboard. It's so 43. That's why, that's why revisiting some of that stuff <laughs> and reigniting how you felt then. I love that. It's a really, really All right, I'm going to do that. Challenge accepted. Sammy, Good. thank you for coming to, from LA to the Impact Factory. Thanks, Now it's me. time for you to assign the Impact Beam. I'm so. excited to assign the Beam. Thanks for having me, Chris. You rock. Onward and upward, friend. Awesome.